my critics, fuck you. That is the radio comment of the year. Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast. Connor McNally with you alongside Harry Tucker. No Trevor Long this week because he's on family commitment. So, Trev, uh, I know you're listening. Hope you're having uh, safe travels with your family. But you've got to admit, Harry, that was a bloody good end to the race in terms of the race audio. It started off with so much chaos and then it kind of petered out. There's a part of me that thinks to myself, we should have actually pre-recorded this race, but we wouldn't have had that race audio like we did just then. No, no, because we, we've been joking about for weeks that this is the most boring race and we're going to pre-record it and see what happens. Then absolute pandemonium at the start, oh. followed by a bit of a boring bit for a few laps in the middle. But, you know, then it picked up at the end finally with Valtteri's all-time finish commentary. Yeah. And he, and he said it in the first uh, the first race of last year. He actually said it to all my critics to whom it may concern. Oh, is this a repeat? Yeah, pretty much a repeat of what he said at the Australian Grand Prix last year, which is incredible. You know, like, can't he come up with something more original? <laughs> He's just so salty about it. He Like, we all joke about him being like this emotionless robot who just goes in and does his job. Hang on a minute. Isn't that all Finnish drivers? Oh, yeah, that's true. We were just... <laughs> we were practising before doing our little voices before yeah. we go out here. I do, and, my, I do my Kimmy. Oh, quite... it kind of, to me, it was just the Kimmy voice apparently as well. So. Yeah, exactly. Now, we're just watching the podium as we're watching uh, Sky oh, Sports. Lewis via... is such a little bitch. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Lewis, if you're listening. <laughs> well, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, look, let's go back to the real start of the race before they lined up on the grid. Lewis Hamilton, as he left pit lane, he must have... Normally the rules state that you, you can do your practice starts on the exit of the pit lane, right at the exit, and then you can just speed off and get to the starting grid. Lewis Hamilton crossed the control line at the pit exit... And then did his practice starts. He was you, so far down. He was so far down the grid that he almost caused an accident with Sergio coming out of the pits and also, I think, um, Kimi Raikkonen. So, look, let's face it. He was quite clearly in the wrong and deserved to get that time penalty. He actually did it twice as he was coming out mm, of the pits. So mm. as soon as word came through that he was actually going to be under investigation for those practice starts coming out of pit lane, we knew that he was going to be in trouble. We thought at that point in time, Harry, that it was just the one penalty. But when we found out it was two, two, yeah, it was just, well, the end result was he got that 10-second time penalty, which he had to serve in the first pit stop. And he also got two penalty points that go against his super license. So if he gets two more points coming up towards the end of the season, he'll be out of out of the race for one, you know, he'll be banned for one race quite literally. Well, the thing that as well that sort of bothered me the most about it was he didn't even see... He wasn't even... Like, he got a little bit upset about the penalty. But yeah. he was more upset about his team strategy. And I think, was it Richard Crail we saw who yeah. who brought it up? And I'm like, okay, mate, you've you've won 69 races with this team already. You've, you've got... You trust your team engineers. You go through all this together. Yet you don't think they've got the best strategy at heart there with you when to pit and, and try to get you in the right spot. Uh, in the grid as you come back out so you didn't get held up like yeah. and he just was just whinging over the radio like basically like you know Bono fuck you it's all you and like oh. I don't do anything wrong and I'm Lewis perfect and oh look I'm just, I'm just Lewis, so, Lewis, oh. Lewis you are a fucking idiot you got your strategy wrong you and Bono got your strategies wrong cop it on the chin you little prick and I, I've been trying to give him some credit this season I'm like yeah, oh you yeah. know like he's a you know look, he's a very good driver look, he's one he, of the best he was obviously aiming to get 
that record equal to Michael Schumacher of 91 Grand Prix victory. And look at look at Valtteri. He's, we're watching now on Fox Sports. Oh. And he looks a lot happier. Like, he's not as salty as he is on the podium. And everyone's giving him a, a bit of a spray. Champagne spray, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and he's absolutely loving it in the traditional Finnish fashion. Max, but, was, Max was being good there. I yeah, love Max. Everyone, you... I love listening I love to Max. Max's audio. Now, we were listening... I was listening, actually, to the race audio from Free Practice 1. During the first session... Uh, Pierre Gasly got in the way of Verstappen and uh, called him an absolute wanker. <laughs> I thought, great. And then we, we sent that through to Trevor, and Trevor's obviously away, as you well know. And he said, well, that's his spot of Red Bull gone to bits. He went one in back. So. Well, that's. Uh, see, Gasly is. Oh, we're getting a little bit off track here, but we, I want to go into Gasly for yeah, a second. Okay, if that's sure, all right. Sure. So Gasly has ended up in ninth, but he, he absolutely dominated Alba. Absolutely. Like, and in, there, there in, we've in, that, in that latter stage of the race, he certainly did. Yeah, and, and we've established that. He's he's not going to go back to Red Bull. Like it, it seems, uh, it seems very unlikely anyway that he's going to return to the main team. But in saying that, then I think that makes him essentially free agent number one of the you know the uncertains for next season. Yeah, look, I know that Red Bull are so adamant that Albon is going to stay on as Red Bull, you know, as part of the Red Bull plan. But what do they do? Like, I I just can't see Alex Albon surviving. So he he finished 10th today, but I think he only finished... He would have finished 12th if if Sainz and and Stroll didn't didn't crash out. So he... Yeah, well, let's let's go back to that. Yeah, sorry. We've skipped right ahead. (laughs) I know know we're skipping ahead. Uh. But bear with us because there's a lot to get through, particularly in this early stage of the race. At the race start, look, Lewis Hamilton got a tremendously good start. Despite the fact that on in qualifying, he almost made it to get past Q2. So he didn't make mm. it easy for himself. So, look, he was very lucky that he managed to start from pole. Got a tremendous start. Bottas took it up to him, as we expected that he would. Verstappen had a shocking start. In fact, he, he was about 0.4 of a second slower off the start to Valtteri Bottas mm. and Lewis Hamilton. So speaks volumes that, at the moment, Verstappen is terrible with his starts in that but Red that's Bull. so weird for him because he has... He, previously, he's been an extremely good starter off the line. Yeah, so to see him absolutely. have a couple of these now is just... Yeah, it's really surprising. It's very surprising. But then the chaos came afterwards. So Verstappen goes off the track, missed the, bol- the sausage curbs and the bollards, Carlos Sainz got snooked a little bit, mm. went off, tried to sneak through the bollards and took himself out. He clipped the front left. He clipped the front left trying to squeeze through those bollards. There was no fucking way in hell that he was ever going to get through that. Common sense would think, just slow down, stop, mm. and then just get around those bollards on the racing line and just fight your way back through the field. But he didn't do that. And that was just like sheer stupidity from... Carlos Sainz I know, you know just bad luck but at the same time sheer stupidity I mean why would you do that he must have been pretty upset about it because usually you know when you get the early DNFs they managed to get an interview with them afterwards we didn't see and that we, we didn't get it <laughs> no we didn't see that at all tonight in fact we didn't even see any um, interviews no, during the race either. no well the, speaking of Lance Stroll that was an interesting one on lap one because he, he we were hearing on the radio I got hit I got hit well, turns out he was hit. It was hit by Charles Leclerc. And speaking of Leclerc, we're actually watching him now via Sky Sports and Fox Sports. So, look, I've got to say about Leclerc, I mean, that was a racing incident between Stroll and Leclerc. Stroll was not a happy man. I don't know how he didn't get penalised. I didn't know why like, either. I, I, how can you just re-rent someone and then just be like, yeah, fine? I, I don't get it. I, I honestly don't get it. But Leclerc was a very lucky man that he didn't get penalised when he did. We should have. We both agree that he should have been penalised for that incident. But the fact of the matter was... 
he was able to really pull something out of the hat tonight for in that Ferrari in a car really that we know is a piece of shit. Let's face it, you know. To, to, quote, to, to put it lightly. To put it lightly. To quote Nick Lauda, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. All these facilities in it, you make a piss of cup like this. But it's a Ferrari. <laughs> it's a shitbox. And it is true. But he turned that shitbox into something relatively competitive tonight. He got to, by virtue of pit stops, he got up to about six, second place at one point. And for the most part, both Karun and Crofty overlooked Charles for quite a bit of the race, which is a little unfair because Leclerc, I think, was one of the real drives mm. of the day, in my opinion. He did an exceptionally good job in a car that's not really behaving in the way it really should right now. If we discount the fact that he got lucky with the, the lack of penalty, then... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he definitely overperformed the ability of the car. Well, compared to Sebastian Vettel. I mean, yeah. Vettel was... Yeah, well, we know that he's nowhere at the moment. I mean, Do, do you think it's just because he just doesn't care? I, don't like, think he, I, just... I, I, I just don't think he gives a fuck now, yeah. to be quite frank with you. And, and I'm sure Trevor would say the same. You know, I think right now, Sebastian's attitude is, right, I'm focused on Aston Martin next year. That is what I want to do. I'm looking forward to that drive. Let's get through this season done now. You know, I want this as, you know, it's. I'm going to have to deal with it and uh, deal with it the best that I can. But he's. It, you can tell there's a lot of bad blood right now mm. between um, Vettel and, and Ferrari. It is so toxic. And I think at the same time, Ferrari putting a lot more of their energies into Leclerc right now because they know that Leclerc is probably going to be their main man to take him to a world title come 2022. And I, I also still think that you know our earlier season idea of doing the early driver stop swap. Why still didn't they do it? Happened. This should have happened. It should have happened. Everyone, everyone would have been better. Oh, I don't understand it. We should. I think everyone would have been happy. Maybe, said, maybe not Checker. Maybe not Checker. But you know what? Fourth place tonight. Oh, he did well. He did he, he better was my than driver of the day. Yeah, look, he did very, very well tonight. I thought that was one of his best drives of the season so far. I would love for him to get a podium before he leaves Racing Point at the end of the year. The question is, where does he go? And we have talked about this previously, where we talked about the potential idea of Checo and Hulkenberg driving for Haas. Now we know that Grosjean and Magnussen, their futures are not certain. In fact, if anything, we've we've said in the past quite freely, fuck them off. Put their put Checo and Hulk in the car, and you'd be able to rebuild Haas and do something of a great mm. mid mid pack team. At the moment, they're at the tail of the field. Yes, they're sometimes punching above their weight, but they're nowhere near being a competitive mid pack team of where they should be right now. The only thing with that is, or the sentiment. I agree completely. Um, but the Hulk side is every rumour I see points to him in Alpha, Romeo. Ooh. So, but who would you replace? I mean, every, I know we re- look, let's face it, Giovinazzi's dead wood. He will not last. Even though mm. he has strongly said publicly he will not be going anywhere. Let's face it. I think Mick's going to retire. We talked, but Trevor and I talked about this in the podcast, which you weren't a part of. What the fuck were you thinking about doing a two-stopper before the Tuscan Grand Prix? Oh, uh, look, look, we all <laughs> we all make bad pit strategies, <laughs> and this was a bad pit strategy here. I've been following a little bit too much up, Romeo. Oh yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you had too much to drink. That's you took the, t- you <laughs> the took night the- before, by the way, for the listeners. I don't come into the podcast that drunk. No, no, no. Just a little bit, maybe just a touch. You know, you didn't take, you didn't drink too much uh, Heineken Zero. 0.0, do you think? We're not sponsored by Heineken, by the way. Nah, Definitely not. I wouldn't drink that piss water. I actually drank it the other night. It's not that bad, is honestly. He, is, is this a plug? 
And it's no plug. It's actually <laughs> not that bad, but it is definitely not a plug, but I'm just saying it's not that <laughs> Heineken bad. Heineken zero, 00, not okay. that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> anyway, that's another story. Look, we, we were talking in the last in the last podcast when we did the Tuscan Grand Prix. Mick Schumacher definitely, I think, is a shoe-in for uh, Alfa Romeo. I don't want him. Why not? <laughs> just, you, you are not a fan of Mick Schumacher. And he's just such a little... Like, he's so... It was like so arrogant. To like, and again, it's part of the sport. Like, you have to have that degree of self confidence and arrogance to be able to win and be a world champion. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I understand that. But he's on a whole other level. He made that comment the other day about um, oh, about Lewis. I can't remember the exact wording, but essentially it was like, I'm going to break all Lewis's records. Yeah. And then bring the Schumacher name to number one. I'm like, mate, well, I read that get, too. Get one win in four. Like, just even make it into Formula One before oh. you can start claiming that you're better than Lewis Hamilton, who arguably, even if we don't like him that much as a person is going to go down as maybe the greatest if you know one of the greatest drivers of all time like, okay just just chill me just, just chill, chill just chill for a little bit look i understand mick's attitude that he wants to emulate his dad and there's nothing wrong with that but the thing is there's something of arrogance about the Schumacher name. Maybe it's just this German stickler for efficiency and precision. <laughs> That's always there. It, it's a it's a common trait for Germans. And I know a couple of German people who are very nice people, but they've got that. <laughs> very nice people. They are very nice people. <laughs> I can say that. My girlfriend's best friend is German. I can say that. Anyway. The, th- the fact is they are sticklers for efficiency and precision and that's what they are well known for and you know when Michael Schumacher used to race he was so precise in his in his methodical approach to motorsport and he and look he, it was just incredible of how many world championships he won and how many races he won and you know and he had the team and the you know the, the equipment behind him as well and that's why he was so successful but at the same time, as he became more and more successful, he became arrogant and, you know, it's sort of like he had this lofty status. Probably in Lewis Hamilton's case, it's a lot more loftier now than what Michael was. But you know, but, but he earned that ability. He, he did. That's the, he did. So Whereas, I've, got, I've got no problem with that. It's the sport, right? You have to have that. But it's like the fact that you haven't even made it to Formula One yet and you're already like, I'm going to break all of Lewis's records. Like... Just earn something. Earn something, yeah. I yeah. don't know. I'm not a Formula One driver. I don't know what it takes. So <laughs> no, what, do I, what do I know? What do we know? We're just fucking idiots yeah. that uh, love motorsport and love Formula One from Australia. Bunch of fucking wankers. <laughs> we're not that much. We're <laughs> we, we do love our sport. So uh, And look, speaking of which, before we continue on, we'll be getting quite a bit of feedback in regards to this little podcast that Trev, Harry and myself host. And uh, actually, I, I should mention... One of the listeners for the EFTM podcast called in about a week and a half ago, and his name was Blake. He called in to talk about uh, electric mowers. On the back end, <laughs> no, he did, he did, and it was a good, it was a very interesting to listen to. And on the back end of it, he actually mentioned how much he liked this particular podcast. So, Blake, if you're listening, thank you so much for your feedback because we really do appreciate it. Listen to Blake. Yep, and uh, we we keep on. Yeah, sharing the love and uh, if you've listened to us for the first time keep on liking and subscribing to us share the word because that's how we build our audience and we actually enjoy doing it so anyway moving on to the rest of the race Daniel Ricciardo tonight as we're seeing him on air and he's, that, he's finally got a good mask he's got a good mask and it's, just <laughs> a, it's a black mask that simply says equality, equality. That's not bad, but did you see the last mask anymore? It was, I think, a pink one. I mean, oh, they've all been looking like post-it notes up until now. <laughs> They've been very bad, but I've got to say, um, Dan had to really drive hard tonight in that race. He, he had a pretty decent start, but then he made a mistake 
coming out of, um, I think, turn seven and allowed Ocon through and Perez through and dropped back to fifth. So it wasn't the best of starts for Den, but then he started to uh, gain a bit of pace after he had his first pit stop. But then there was a great battle between um, himself and I think it was uh, Sergio as well. Plus it was, um, I think it was... Uh, Sebastian Vettel well they're all fighting so Esteban was really trying to take it up to to Vettel and he couldn't get past him now we know Ocon has got Mm. some pace but again he's just not to me the complete Formula 1 driver he he just doesn't seem to be able to pass anybody with consummate ease whereas Ricardo, you know he eventually got past Vettel but by virtue of you know Ocon being told by his crew to move to let uh, Ricardo go through and go past, but as he done that, Ricardo went onto the sausage curbs on upon the exit of turn one, and copped a five second grid penalty or well, time penalty, much like Lewis Hamilton did. But there was a substantial difference in the way they reacted to the news that they were getting penalised. We know that Hamilton absolutely was crying like a baby, <laughs> whereas Daniel Ricardo goes right, I got it. I'll go fast. That was the best radio exchange. It was like, yeah, you've, you know, Dan, you've copped the five seconds. Like, okay, sorry, I get it. I'll drive faster. And then I love that the his race engineer was the cheers buddy. Was his response? It was, like, a, like, it was such a calm response. It and was great, no, uh, especially no after Lewis. Panic. Yeah, no panic whatsoever. And look, he did it. He drove faster, got up to fifth place, was able to get more than that five second gap to basically neutralize that penalty. And he finished fifth. So he started fifth, finished fifth. Not a bad result for, for Dan. You know, we were hoping that, you know, after the last couple of races where he's just fallen short on getting that particular podium and giving uh, Cyril that, that little tattoo that <laughs> he's been promising. Um, look, fifth place. Look, I can cop fifth tonight. Yeah, look, you know, obviously there was the expectation after seeing how quick the Renaults were that you could, you know, hope that he could maybe on you know, the small sliver of chance get the third place or, or realistically fourth was probably their target. But I think they'll be happy with fifth. But you bring up Ocon as well. And I know we just, you know, I just trashed on Mick Schumacher for having... <laughs> let's for trash, having, on, let's uh, trash on Ocon now. Let's trash well, on him. Oh, for the opposite, for saying he's got too much self-confidence and arrogance. And I think Ocon clearly has he, the opposite problem. Like, he doesn't have the self-confidence to, to make those overtaking moves. And he's, mm. like you're saying, he's, he's clearly got pace to actually drive the car, but he's just missing that confidence and killer instinct to go, okay, I've got to dive in that corner, break that little bit later, and really get past that man in front. And he just, it, we've seen it a few times now this season, he just doesn't seem like he's got it in him to make that move. There's a very good reason why he got let go by yeah. Racing Point. It's, he's just not up to it. Yeah, he's, he's definitely not up to it at all. And he, it just beggars belief why Renault have so much faith in him. He's, he's French. Of course he's French, and we know that for a fact. But the absolute fact of the matter is, as soon as Fernando Alonso comes in, he's going to have his ass wiped up big time next year. And we know that Alonso's already had his you know, driver's suits fitted and all that. We did yeah. his first interview in one this week. Exactly. Mm. Despite the fact that Renault's going to become Alpine next year. So, you know, he's going to have to change suits anyway. <laughs> but, you know, Alonso's presence already back at Renault at the Enstone outfit, you know, it's already starting to become quite well, yeah, quite felt. So... You know, I mean, what what does Alonso, what is Alonso going to do to bring you know bring back the success to Renault? Like, do you think yeah. he's able to do that? And let's face it, Alonso is going to be the the most experienced driver in the field if Kimi retires at the end of the season. 
Uh, we Trevor and I don't believe he will. We think that he might stay on for one more season now for Romeo and be that, you know, that experienced hand to help Mick Schumacher should he get that drive. And we think we that he will. But what will Alonso offer? Because, uh, you know, I mean, he's the kind of driver that wants success at all costs. He's very much like a Schumacher in that sense that he's, you know, he's earned that right to have that sort of arrogance that he, you know, he deserves to be in the sport. But I mean, he's nearing the, the that point of retirement as well. Yeah, like. Obviously, the the Renault is is faster than it has been last year, and yeah. it's looking not bad. But it's clearly nowhere near the levels of the Mercedes and the Red Bull. So, well, some races is looking all right close to the Red Bull, but no one's close to Mercedes as we know. Yeah. Look. So, so Alonso cannot be realistically thinking he's coming into the season next year and going going for for a win. But it's a multi year contract, right? Yes. So he's obviously there for twenty twenty two. But I think the big thing for Renault is. They want him to help develop that car for 2022. Mm. And it's kind of like if they end up winning races with him, it's the bonus, um, is how I see it. But it, what's most interesting is I if I think Ocon's kind of got one more year left as like a as a test um, to see how he goes. And are they gonna who are they gonna replace that 2022? Who's their future? They, well, they've got a couple of good drivers, but let's not forget Oscar Piastri, because he won... Oh, yeah, he's in, he's in the Renault family. He's in the Renault family right now. He does now. a season of F2 next year, 2022. Well, I, you know, we, we... Well, if you haven't listened to the interview that Trevor did with Oscar Piastri, it is available right now in the podcast series, uh, if, you've, if you haven't subscribed yet. It is a very good interview, and we, you and I have had a listen to mm. it. And, look, Oscar was actually a very quietly spoken guy, very humble, it must be said, but once he got going a little bit in terms of having that chat with Trevor, he had some very interesting points. And look, it's basically, he would love to be driving for Premier in 2021, but it all depends on where Renault decide to put him in. Because yes, Renault are going to make sure that he has the drive in Formula 2. Then, you know, he's now got enough points to race in Formula 1 yeah, for a super licence. So uh, whatever happens, I think we will see him a couple of times next year in Formula 1 doing the Friday practice sessions. You know, if he does well in Formula 2, you know, it would be crazy for Renault not to put him into a Friday practice session and give him that experience that he needs because I think he will do exceptionally well and prove that, you know, he wants to make a point that he wants to be on that grid. But they're clearly not, you know, with the appointment of... I'm sure there's a lot of things we don't know. But with the appointment of Alonso and rather than trying to do the promotion of Zhao... Um, is it Zhao or Zhao? Zhao, yeah. Zhao. Um, he... Like, that, that they don't, obviously don't have that much faith in him to, to make that leap into Formula 1. So are they looking at their next young gun in the academy, which you would say is, is Oscar? Um, so going into 2022, that, that can be really interesting, especially if we see if which one of them gets the, the reserve test drive seat for next year and doing some of those Friday practices. But I think for Renault, I think it's actually... I think it's starting to look up. Like, Yeah, me I think, too. Me I think too. they've finally started to turn that corner and and they've had a couple of rough years. And unfortunately for Dan, he was the driver during those couple of rough years and, and missed out there. But I think that they're starting to, to look up. And I, I'm just... The more I see them race, the more I see McLaren, the more I get excited for the potential of... Of what's going to happen in 22. I know. But I, 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 there, there was nothing yeah. excited about McLaren tonight. I mean, McLaren... Oh, they, yeah. They <laughs> Bad night to bring them up. Yeah, it's very hard to talk about them tonight. And look, Lando kicked an own goal with, him own, with his own self tonight. He um, had a massive lock-up in the early stages of the race where he just basically had that brake pedal mm. on too long and, and flat spot of the left front tyre. Well, he was, with, he was on those those, tight, those hards, though, for like 45, oh, it was even 45 laps, something ridiculous. Something like that. Before he needed to, before he did that pit. So I'm sure he, he didn't have much grip 
um, going into that, which forced him to probably break that little bit too hard and, and cause those flat spots. So it was just the, the strategy there, maybe not perfect for McLaren. Um, pace wasn't quite there. And, and obviously strategy not good there with, with Sainz. No. Crashing uh, out right uh, start, oh, no, absolutely not. They, they one gained, they can forget. They gained no points at all in terms of the Constructors' Championship tonight, which is... You know, quite staggering. You know, it's their worst race of the season, and they'll probably now look to the Eiffel Grand Prix coming up in two weeks' time um, at, at the Nürburgring in Germany. And speaking of uh, the Nürburgring, uh, that is where Lewis Hamilton will be racing. It'll be Mercedes-Benz home track, and well, it's actually not really because it's Hockenheim that home track. <laughs> so, but they're racing in BMW territory because BMW own the Nürburgring circuit. So, and and actually, the 24-hour race was held. Actually, it would have been finished just about now, the Nürburgring 24-hour. And they copped a huge amount of rain in the last 24 hours. So they, I think they only raced for nine of the 24 hours yeah. in dry conditions. So um, the race was impacted by a lot of rain. So then our prayers might be answered in two weeks' time if, you know, when the Eiffel Grand Prix comes around. It should be called the German Grand it's Prix. Just, every time you say it, it feels weird. It's... It, <laughs> Can FOM just stop fucking around with the names of the Grand Prix? anniversary. Oh, dude, the seven, 750th anniversary <laughs> Grand Prix. Same for the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. It's fucking San Marino Grand Prix. <laughs> Goodness sake, get it right, FOM. Anyway, that's the next Grand Prix in a couple of weeks. So what do you think? Yeah, do do you think we'll see the rain that we've been crying out for in the next couple of weeks? Come on, let's face it, we we've been wanting the rain, we've been crying out for it, and you know, given what's happened with the twenty four hour in the last uh, couple of days, you know, it, it, our prayers might be answered coming up. Or a little bit of rain, but I don't, you know, you don't want one of those rains where there's basically no uh, racing though. Yeah, that's just true. like a little bit to force some of the strategy and and you know, put them. I, I like when they're on inters, not on wets. Yeah. Because that kind of like puts everyone back to a slightly more even playing field without you know really degrading the quality of the racing. So if we can have an inters race, I'll be stoked. Yeah, me too. Okay, who do you think would do well on inters? Max. You reckon? Yeah. All right. I like him in the wet. What about Dan in the wet? Yeah, I yeah, but I think I think Max is I think Max is a little bit better in the wet. Mm. But um, but I, I think Dan would be be good there. He'd I think he'd just have that little bit of hunger in his belly, like knowing that this is. You know we're back on closer to even grounds. That this is this is my chance. So that that could be good. So the next race in the World Championship, as I said, the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nurburgring. That'll be in two weeks, so the 9th to the 11th of October. Then we have another two-week break after that, so we then go to Portimao for the Portuguese Grand Prix. I am so happy that the Portuguese Grand Prix is back. Yeah. It's been a very, very long time. I think since 1996. That long? Yeah. Cool. It's been a very, very long time since Portugal's been a part of the World Championship, and that was at the Estoril circuit. So, But this is a brand-new circuit. It'll be the second brand-new circuit that we'll be going to. To this year then one week later we go to uh, San Marino of course for the for the Grand Prix at Imola so that's going to be a really exciting event coming up for uh, Italian fans and look if they get a crowd there was definitely a crowd at the, the Russian Grand Prix tonight I think they had about th- close to 30,000 people 50% capacity 50% capacity yeah so look it's great that crowds are starting to come back after what the first 8 or 9 races didn't have any crowds. I know that the Tuscan Grand Prix had about two and a half thousand people there, but you know the fact that Russia had about thirty thousand people there tonight, not a bad, not a bad it was, effort considering. It's a bit weird though. Like it's sort of we've just become so used to you know, you know what's the, the the new normal or you know whatever we're calling it all, and 
it was just like a little bit weird seeing people, but a good weird. It was, yeah, it was, it is good. Semi, like, <laughs> it's nostalgic, even though we're only like one year removed from the last time. I know, I know, it's been weird. The Nurburgring for the Eiffel Grand Prix, they're hoping to sell up to 20,000 tickets. So they'll go on sale. I uh, see they went on sale this week. So we're hoping to see 20,000 people. Uh, at the Nurburgring, they'll, which I think they'll, be, they'll sell it out. They'll sure. sell it out. They'll, I think they would have sold it out by now. Yeah. Now, the Portuguese promoters—they're hoping to sell about sixty thousand tickets for the Grand Prix, but that's for the full weekend, not for the per day number. So, I'd say they'll probably get about twenty thousand for mm. the Grand Prix. Whereas Imola, this is how much they're going to be limiting their crowd: thirteen thousand one hundred and forty-seven spectators. Enforced per day for each uh, day of the Grand Prix. How have they worked that number out? It must be I, like I, a devised number of something. Well, let's not forget, it's also a two-day event. So it's Saturday and Sunday, this Grand Prix. So it's a two-day format this time. So whereas we've been used to the three-day mm. formats for so long, we're going to be in the unique situation where it'll be a two-day format. And then the Turkish Grand Prix, which will be on November 15. This will be one of the most interesting cases, right, in terms of a crowd attendance. Now... Turkish Grand Prix hasn't been part of the championship calendar since 2011. They're expecting 100,000 people for the Turkish Grand Prix. In just on the Sunday or over the whole weekend? I think um, possibly over the weekend. But that's a lot that's of a lot. people. That yeah. is a lot that's of probably, people. Usually sort of half it for the main day. I think they'll, they'll be lowering that amount. 100,000 people. No way you would, yeah, you would have that. But... Uh, It'll be very interesting when the Middle Eastern races come up because I, you know, they might not even have crowds there for Bahrain and Abu Dhabi. So to be fair, sometimes it feels like there's no crowds there anyway. Exactly. Well, they, <laughs> they never really turn up. They didn't turn up for our supercars events of all those years ago. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, Drivers' Championship. Now, just uh, quickly work that out. Hamilton definitely in front at the moment. Valtteri Bottas is currently in second. I think the gap is now uh, has closed a little bit, but. The one championship I'm focusing more on at the moment is the Constructors' Championship. Mm. Mercedes-Benz have now boosted their championship. They got 41 points tonight. They got the plus one point for the fastest lap, courtesy of Lewis Hamilton. So they got 41 points tonight. 25 for the win, 15 for third. Red Bull only got 18 points. Actually, got, they got, got 19 points tonight. So they got 192 that's so just that's such like, a that is like a hundred and seventy four point margin at the moment. You just may able to just give them the well really? constructors championship to Mercedes. They've just got that in the canter right and now. And we're only like halfway through. I know. We've just passed the halfway point yeah. of it. So we've got seven races to go, and that's the gap. It is incredible. But this is the real battle. The battle for third. Seven points separates McLaren, Racing Point, and Renault. McLaren got no points tonight, as I mentioned before. Racing Point only got 12 points, so they went up to 104 from about 92. Renault had 83 points coming in. They got 16 points tonight by virtue of Ricardo and Ocon finishing 5th and 7th, respectively. They're now about 5 points behind Racing Point on 99 points. So it's a very, very tight affair going into the Eiffel Grand Prix, and I really honestly believe that Renault could be in a very prime position to finish in third in the Constructors' Championship if things go their way. Yeah, and especially because some of these tracks coming up... So Renault obviously very good in uh, tracks with with long straights. Mm. Very, very good straight line pace. And there's a few tracks coming up for them that I think could suit them quite well. So I think they're in quite a, a good position um, going into next, going into the rest of the season to potentially steal that third place. And especially, you know, knocking knock on for his overtaking ability, but if he can get in some... If he can qualify well, 
um, and then stay in that sort of fifth, sixth, seventh spot there, and Dan, you know, fights for that fourth, fifth spot. Like they, they could be in a really good spot. Yeah, absolutely right. And look, I think some of the, ra- the, the races coming up. Look, Portimao could be a very interesting proposition because that, from what Lewis Hamilton said previously, it's a very fast-flowing circuit. So that could be that could be beneficial for Renault. We know if San Marino is a very quick circuit, that could benefit Renault as well. I'm not sure about the Nurburgring. The Nurburgring is, you know, it is fast, but it, it is you a very technical. Yeah. yeah, it's a very technical circuit, and that might not suit the Renault as much as say the Red Bull or even the Mercedes. Like, we know the Mercedes will just completely wipe the floor of everyone at the moment. But you know, if you add rain, <laughs> anything might, can happen. Anything can happen. Turkey might be an interesting proposition as well, because that's a that's another fast flowing circuit. So, you know, with a you know very tight technical but very fast as well. So. Who knows? But then, the real kicker, Bahrain, the, t- the back-to-back races, especially around the outer perimeter, mm. you know, the oval circuit, you know. I think that's where Ferrari are going to really struggle. And maybe, and potentially, Red Bull. They might struggle because we saw tonight with Pierre Gasly, like, the fact that he was able to get past Alex Albon, um, you know, in an AlphaTauri of all things, it speaks volumes that, you know, the AlphaTauri could have potentially embarrassed Red Bull at the moment. And, you know, Max is the only one that's really getting the best out of that car. And he's, I think he's just purely out of his ability. Like, it doesn't, that Red Bull seems fine, but it just certainly does not seem as quick as what another driver that not named Max Verstappen could push it. Yeah, absolutely. Two points before we wrap things up. First and foremost, Stefano Domenicelli. He's now going to replace Chase Carey as the CEO of FOM. Chase Carey staying on the sport, but as the non-executive chairman. Domenicelli, I mean, we know he did great things at Ferrari. He was obviously part of um, that inner circle during the Schumacher era, and then he was the, the, the team boss after Jean Tot left, and, you know, they helped win the Constructors' Championship in 2008, but they didn't get that Drivers' Championship that they so elusively wanted. Uh, but he's gone on to do some great things for Audi and now Lamborghini, and the decision to have him as the new CEO come next year has proven to be a very popular one, bar Ferrari, of course. So from your perspective, do you think this will be a good decision to replace Chase Kerry, who brought, I guess, that Hollywood attitude mm. into the sport with someone like Dominicelli who's got that experience in Formula One? I'm going to miss the handlebar moustache, if oh. I'm honest. Well, he's not going to be disappearing altogether. <laughs> as I said. He's a non-executive I chairman. know, I know, but I, I honestly think it's a... Uh, I'm not too keen on it. Um, I think that in terms of... It depends where you look at it, right? So in terms of the growth of the sport, even though we've had some fairly average racing, I think the stuff that Chase Carey has done the last few years has really attracted a whole new group of people. Like Most of the people that I watch it with now are people that have only started watching it in the last couple of years. And, and I think that's purely from how they've positioned it. They've basically turned it... They've really they've really reinforced the personalities of the drivers. And I think it's lucky that they've, we've just got a good group of people as well that have great personalities. Like, you've got your Dans. Yeah. Now you've got the new young guys that are great as well. The Orlandos, George Russell, Charles Leclerc, who are all good personalities that people enjoy watching and learning about. And, you know, you compound that with Drive to Survive, which has just been the absolute masterstroke for the sport. Absolutely. Um, and in terms of... It's sort of like that promotional element... And and growing people into the sport and that interest and all that sort of things. I think that Chase Carey is really going to be missed leading that. But as you say, he's still you know, non-executive chairman. He's not gone. But maybe you're right. Maybe we're at this point now where we're going, okay, racing, we're bringing people in. We've got that strategy. 
but it's a little bit boring. More than a little bit sometimes. <laughs> and how do we yeah. improve racing to make that more exciting now that we know how to attract the eyeballs? So, I, th- I think Domenicelli will definitely bring a stronger element in trying to make sure that the racing is exciting, that people go, yes, I want yeah. this, I want more. I'm absolutely proud of what Chase Carey has done for the sport. He has completely turned around the Bernie, you know, what Bernie Eccleston done to the sport. And there's no way I'm knocking Bernie Eccleston, but he just he just became too long in the tooth mm. and too ingrained in the sport and too meddling at the same time, you know, for for the sport to to progress the way, you know, to the way it has now. Just if times change. Times have changed, yeah. and basically Bernie just fell behind. That's all it was, particularly when it came to social media. We are seeing much more of a presence in terms of Formula One on social media now that people share memes left, right, and centre. We and I do that. We do that with Trevor as well. So, you know... The fact that people are sharing F1 memes right now means, you know, people talk about Formula One and it's very popular on social media. Drive to Survive definitely has helped in great numbers to bring more fans to the sport. And, you know, we're looking forward to seeing what Drive to Survive Season 3 is going this to be is all going to be about. a great season. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, the greatest masterstroke that Chase Carey did within four months of coming on board after stating that he said... Bernie Eccleston will stay on for as long as he want, needs to. He got rid of Bernie Eccleston <laughs> within those first four months. That's the best masterstroke I think he's done, and the sport has never looked back since. No. Final key point. Tonight's Formula 2 race. That was scary. Um, that was a big shunt. That was a massive shunt. And that, if you haven't seen it, go back to via KO. Uh, I'm sure there will be a KO mini in regards to that particular incident. Or you can actually look it up, find the race, it was a massive crash. It was the sprint race between um, Jack Aiken and Luca Giotto. It was on lap seven, and it was an almighty crash. They collided coming through one of the curves, and they smashed through the retaining wall, the, the foam retaining wall, to the point that actually one of the cars caught on fire, much like Lance Stroll's car did at the Tuscan Grand Prix. So it actually brought a premature mm. end to the race. But just having a look at this crash now again, I mean, they just... How they touched and they got away with it and didn't have any serious injury. I mean, that was just, that was a ferocious hit. It really gives you an idea of like how fast these guys are going. Because if you sort of, it wasn't that much of a touch, but just purely because of the pace in which they were driving, it just sent them right off. Absolutely. Uh, Look, I'm just glad that both of them survived. They got quite a bit of air as well. But I think Giotto got a lot more air than anyone had realised. But... Yeah, that incident, unfortunately, brought a premature end to that sprint race. But thankfully, as I said, both drivers were very, very lucky to walk away. So, summary. Not a bad race. Still boring. <laughs> we're like, we could have re- pre-recorded this. I know we have joked about it. But look, it was worth actually staying up to watch this. I mean, we could have gone to bed early. Let, bearing in mind that the race started at 9 o'clock tonight. So it, it wasn't that bad. It, it had a great chaotic start, which we really like to have seen, like to see. But yeah, just just a bit more chaos during the race is is all that we really require. And just racing. Yeah, just, I, was a bit, I was a bit disappointed we got robbed of the Lewis and Max battle at the end. I thought yeah. it was going to happen, but yeah, maybe next time. Yeah, but all we can take away from this is that Lewis Hamilton is an absolute crybaby. Should just grow the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I wonder what antics, what shenanigans he's going to do at the Eiffel Grand Prix, which will be the next one. So, we'd get a week off. We're back in two weeks' time. So, that'll be the 9th and 10th 
of October, which luckily is not the Bathurst weekend now, so we can actually watch the Bathurst 1000 in peace, <laughs> and then because that's been moved to further week, and then of course, uh, yeah, we will do the next Grand Prix after that, which will be the uh, Portuguese Grand Prix. So, Harry, thank you. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening to us on the EFTM F1 podcast. As I said, Trevor Long will be back with us in two weeks' time to take back the reins of this podcast. Trev, We've I, gone loose. We've gone loose tonight. So thank you. Well, tomorrow morning, if you've listened to us uh, first thing Monday morning. So thank you for listening to us. hope you can join us again in two weeks' time as we review round 11 of the World Championship, the Eiffel Grand Prix. See you next time. Bye. 